Welcome everybody to this edition of IDS Talks. Today, we've got an awesome guest sitting with us that has a personal story that we wanna share with regards to our support of Lawyers Have Heart. John, are you there? I am, Hunter. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, thanks for joining us. It's a wonderful Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday, right? All these days are starting. Yes, to I know. Uh, it, it's it's the last Zoom of the day or, or or virtual meeting, so we'll count that as as a as a good thing. So, you know, I know when we first met a couple of months ago, you had an awesome story that you shared with me with regards to how you got involved and why you got involved with Lawyers Have Heart, a, a race that is usually in person, but in Georgetown, D.C. Uh, but is now virtual. So everybody can participate. There's no excuse why you can't be part of this awesome initiative. But could you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. So I, I had participated in Lawyers Have Heart, maybe even going back to the very first ones. We're, we're, we're on our 31st anniversary. So that goes way back. Um, but didn't get personally involved in kind of uh, the executive leadership team until around 2017. And that was based on uh, an event that happened for me, uh, May 2nd, 2016. So at this point in my life, Hunter, I'm 49 years old, literally in the best shape of my life, having exercised seven days a week, religiously um, followed a very strict diet, very healthy diet. Anyone who ever's gone out to eat with me knows how particular I am about what I'm going to eat. Um, so here I am in my regular Monday night basketball game. We're a few minutes away from wrapping up and I start getting some really unusual shortness of breath. And it was so unusual that I stopped the game. I said to the guys, I've got to go sit down for a second and did that and then got up and it wasn't stopping. And so I felt warm, said, hey, I'm going to go outside and get some cold air. And as I was leaving the gym, I knew there was something off. I had zero idea what that would be and uh, asked my friends to call 911 and then I passed out and I wake up three weeks later at the local hospital. Um, if you'd have asked me that night what was happening as I'm exiting the gym, uh, the first thing I would have rolled out is heart disease. I'm way too healthy for that. I've got zero characteristics for the disease. So I know it's not that, but I have no idea what it is. And I end up having the worst type of heart attack that you can have, the widow maker. And the name alone tells you um, you don't survive that and you especially don't survive it outside of the hospital. Uh, luckily, my friends, James Bennon and Rocky Bernson, uh, were brave enough to act that night. Um, within seconds, they had called 911, started performing CPR. Um, I get to the hospital and still alive at this stage and things get gravely worse. I experience um, a reaction to the blood thinner they gave me, uh, which caused bleeding into my lungs. I went into respiratory distress and multiple organ failure. I mean, literally those first couple of days in the hospital, Hunter, my wife was told more than half a dozen times, he is not going to make it. And whoever you think should be here to see him before he passes needs to get here right now. I mean, they even had a priest come in. I'm not Catholic, but had a priest come in and read me my last rites, I was done. Um, now, were you aware of any of this or this is all you uh, found out afterwards, right? I found out three weeks later when I woke up. Um, so no idea that this is going on. And um, luckily at the hospital that, that I was at, they have this machine called ECMO, so E-C-M-O, and 
It can operate as your heart for you, your lungs for you, or both, and I needed both. And it's really literally the machine of last resorts. I mean, my wife was given this option. We can put him on ECMO machine and hope that his body heals or he's gonna die. Which one do you want? And luckily my wife chose the right option. <laughs> and my body did heal during that time period. Um, so I wake up three weeks later and what I remember is I asked my friends to call 911 and now for the first time ever, I'm a patient in a hospital and I'm lying in this bed. And so if that's not bad enough, I've got tubes in my throat, I'm hopped up on fentanyl, which probably went along with the fact that I couldn't remember what I looked like at the time um, or where I lived. Um, and I'm paralyzed in this bed. So I'm trying to communicate with people with tubes in my throat and I have no idea what's going on with my mouth. I could feel there was something happening and I'm looking at the TV and people on TV, I'm looking at the people in the room and I'm like, no one has something going on down here that I'm feeling and I have zero idea what's happening. Wow. And, and my, my family tried to communicate with me as, with this board that had letters on it and they would say, you know, first, first word and they would go across and I'm supposed to shake my head when it's the right letter. Well hopped up on fentanyl, I'm missing letters, and we're, we're I'm having them stop on the next letter past where they're supposed to be. Oh. And I'm, now I'm supposed to try to communicate with them like, no, no, go back one letter and not start all over again. And it was brutally difficult. Um, but luckily I made it through all of this, right? Like by the time I wake up, I think for the most part, I still had infections and blood clots, but I think the odds were greatly in favor of me surviving. Back in those first few days, and really even in the first week, my cardiologist said, the odds of you surviving what you went through, a million to one. And the people at the, the hospital that I was at, Fairfax Hospital, huge hospital, said, you're the sickest person to, to ever come through the hospital. You had everything wrong with you. Um, and now, I was how much do you attribute? I mean, you were in great shape, great diet. It wasn't like you were you were the poster of risk factors, so that had to play a role in you surviving. Yeah, so so that's what the the doctors they are unanimous on that. The reason you're here today is because of the great shape that you were in at the time that this happened. Yeah, that greatly increased my odds. That and, and as I like to tell my wife, I'm just stubborn. So, you know, throw something like that at me and let's wow. figure out a way to, to be stubborn and, and win, right? Yeah. And you're going to see that in kind of what happens next with me in the hospital, right? Like, I'm not, I'm a half full person and not a half empty person. I mean, I had doctors, psychologists coming in all the time. And I guess depression is common for people who have gone through what I went through. They come in and I'm like, I, I, it's what's happened has happened. I can't do anything about what's happened. What I'm focused on is I'm going to get back to a hundred percent and what do I need to do? And, and I, no one came in to tell me, how do I get my mobility back? How do I get to a stage where I can talk? How long is it going to be before I can talk or eat or something? Um, and so I just had to kind of wait it out. Um, and, and, you know, there came a time, so kind of tying it into Lawyers Have Heart, I mean, there came a time where I could speak again, I had a speaking valve, and my brother, my uh, so the other Herity for Herity and Herity is my twin brother, 
who immediately went to a cardiologist while I was still in critical condition because he's fearful that he's going to go through the same thing, um, said he was in great shape. And my cardiologist even later said, we can't predict my situation. He said, you could have come in that day. I give you every possible test. I would have said you're in excellent shape and you die that, that night of heart disease. That's part of the reason why I'm involved with this and why what we're doing with Lawyers of Heart is so, so important. Um, so when I can finally speak, you know, my brother and I said, you know, number one, we spend very little time on this, but wow, how quickly we almost lost everything. Hunter, literally a five minute time period from feeling fantastic to dead on the floor. Um, and then it's, what are we gonna do about it, right? If I just go back to the way things were, and things were great prior to this. I, I was a giving person, I, I, I was a nice person. If I just go back to that, I've wasted this whole experience. I've survived a million to one odds. I have to walk away from this a better person than I went into it. And so what we agreed on in that hospital was um, we're gonna do something charity focused when I get back to work. We just didn't know what that was. And once we got back, then we, we figured out a name, we figured out exactly what we were gonna do and we formed our Heritage for Charity Giving Back Initiative. So with this, we give 5% of our firm's profits to our partner charities. What makes it infinitely better than us giving 5% of our profits is every single individual that works at my firm gives a portion of their paychecks to our partner charities, which include the American Heart Association, Zero is the fight against prostate cancer, uh, Innova's Children's Hospital, who is not in favor of helping kids who are sick, right? And then No More Stolen Childhoods is the fight against childhood sexual abuse, which the numbers are staggering when I heard them. I knew this was going to be a great partner for us. So Hunter, in an interview stage, it, this comes up and the commitment needs to be made at that stage. I couldn't care less about a book of business. Anything you're bringing to the table, if you're not going to make the commitment to give a portion of your paycheck, you will not be at my firm. That's really how important this cause is for us. Um, so we get this going, the, the Heritage for Charity initiative and par matched up with our partner charities. And then somehow this Lawyers Have Heart group finds me and they said, hey, do you want to come in to one of the executive leadership team meetings and be the mission moment? So I go in and this was the first time kind of me telling the story about what happened. And then they asked me to join it, which I did in 2017. And, um, and then last year, the 30th anniversary, they asked me to chair it. And thinking that it's going to be the easiest one to chair at the 30th anniversary, we have a pandemic, which causes us at the very last second to pivot to a virtual event. Um, it is what it is, but I think it set us on a really great path to, to the future of this event. And I, I see it very clearly where we're going. And this is going to be one of the, the biggest, most impactful American Heart Association events across the globe when, we're, when you and I are done with our vision of it. No, I, I love it. In fact, the Heritage from Charity website, uh, your page actually inspired IDS. And so now we have an IDS charity page that's love focused it. on lawyers have heart right now, uh, as well as some other initiatives. But 
you know, one of the things that that when we first talked about was a lot of the stuff that you're doing, not only for lawyers have heart, but also for DE&I and, and a really strong stance that Harity and Harity has taken against, uh, you know, accepting the status quo and actually trying to figure out new and creative ways of accomplishing DE&I initiatives. Can you give, can you give us a yeah, little yeah. So, 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 the, so the pivot that we've made at my firm was really like, we're going to be hugely focused on serving others. So obviously a charity thing is one of those things, but the other, as soon as we were done developing Heritage for Charity, I'm like, well, what's next? And so what was next to me is, is one of the hottest topics in the legal industry and that's DNI, right? And the problem that goes on, Hunter, to be quite honest about what's happening in the legal industry with DNI is anytime you want change, you want change to happen, right? It always starts with conversations. I totally get that. We've got to talk about it. We've got to start discussing kind of what the problem is and, and maybe throw out some ideas. But what has to happen next is action someone has to take action for there to actually be change. It can't result from us just continuing to talk. We've got to move into that next phase. And so for me, the next thing I focused on after Heritage for Charity was DNI. What are we going to do about this? And, and we innovate at my firm on a lot of different fronts and DNI is one of those. So the first thing that we developed, I, I was reading a book about that talked about apprenticeships. And as soon as I read this chapter, I'm like, that's our initiative. We, I've had people come to me all the time because our firm runs really, really well. And they said, you should uh, um, franchise what you're doing, blah, 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 blah. You can't do it in the legal industry. And as soon as I read that about apprenticeships, I'm like, that's our, D our first DNI initiative, our minority firm incubator. We're going to bring someone into the firm who fits into a diverse category. They're going to learn how we draft patent applications, how we prosecute. And then most importantly, how do we run our firm as a business to be really successful? And so that was our first thing. And we brought our first guy on last year, last February, and we're launching him here in a couple of weeks. June 2nd is gonna be the first, uh, his first day at his new firm. Very excited. We've got some uh, huge name, big patent filers lined up to um, bring him on. So. It's been. It's going to be hugely successful. Um, so we created. Now, hold, hold on, real quick, John. Now he better not be part of Team Harity and Harity. He better have formed his own lawyers have heart team because we know Harity and Harity. Exactly. On my team. Uh, <laughs> He's on my team. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, next year he'll have his own team. Next. There year. we go. Okay. This okay. Year, he's on my team. So, so we once we got that going and we said, okay, here's how the whole program, it took us many months to lay out what are the weeks look like that are gonna be teaching, how are we gonna advertise this, everything that goes around it. And then to, to go out and talk to big companies to say, hey, you know, there's a fear that goes in hand in hand with starting any new business. Great, you taught me all this stuff, where's the work coming from? And the first place we went was one that I knew would sign off on being one of their clients and that was Accenture. And they said, we're on any firms you spin off, we will, um, we will send work to and, and let them earn our business. And I said, fantastic. So the, the, the stress of finding work is gone with respect to our spinoff um, coming up here in a few weeks. So once that was done, then it's like, okay, we've got that running. What's the next thing we're going to do? And so 
we're trying to tackle the overarching problem, right? So in the legal industry, you've got this Mansfield role. And when you look at the numbers, when you look at the metrics in our field, we, we can't satisfy the, the Mansfield role because there's not enough people in the field to do what they want you to do. And so we need to introduce more people into the field. So that, and, and, and for us, this next program is specifically directed to um, the patent field and, and the most underrepresented demographic, black female engineers. And so we've got a program that's launching at the beginning of next year where we're gonna greatly increase those numbers in a very short period of time. And we're going out right now looking for corporate and law firm partners to help us with this journey. So that's one of the things. Another one that we're doing is our Herity Academy, and that's been going on since last fall. And it's teaching anyone who fits into a diverse category, we're gonna teach you our secret sauce. We're, there's no one better on the planet at drafting and prosecuting patent applications than us. And we're teaching that to diverse people to help them get promoted up into the higher positions, how to, you know, and, and we're also doing some basics like um, resumes and, and how to interview properly. Um, so that's already ongoing. We've got our women's workshop that's happening this week. And so that's for uh, female engineers and for female uh, law school students who want to get into the patent field. And so we've got some incredible speakers. We teach a little bit of our secret sauce to these uh, women and we and um, and resume building and interviewing and, and writing skills. We have a writing coach that comes in and helps with their writing too. Um, Andrew, I could go on and on. We've got a lot of other programs too. Uh, I don't wanna fill it all up with these programs, but really, again, these are all free to individuals who participate. It's enough, these are all directed to serving others and this whole shift that we did once I got back to work. And you're working hard to say the least. I know I know you put in the hours, but a key thing for Herity and Herity is work-life balance. I know you have flexible schedules and all that because none of this happens overnight. You know, none of this is a quick fix. You can, t I love your call to action and actually take action, right? Rather than just talk about it, but it's not easy stuff. You all have poured years and years into these, these programs and these, these approaches to actually bring it to fruition rather than just a conversation. So I, I do want to circle back to lawyers have heart though, because that's what yeah. brought us together. Uh, and, and, you know, are you still running? Are you still training? Are you still getting out there? And what is your goal of activity minutes for move more as we approach the race itself? Yeah. So let me start with that first and then I'll go back to the, my uh, activity. So, with the move more challenge, I mean, I, I exercise every single day. So I'm a very uh, routine driven person. So the very first thing that I do after I let my dog out in the morning is exercise. We've got a, a full gym and a ridiculous gym in the basement. Um, and, uh, and so I don't need to go anywhere else. I'm down there. I would like to get back to running outside, which is what I used to do 5 a.m. outside in the dark running and no one around, but my wife still is fearful of that. I, mm -hmm. I was when I got out of the hospital for a long time, but I'm past that point now. I, I don't have the fear of being out by myself and having another heart attack. I mean, I was struck by lightning once. I'm not going to get struck twice. I'm going to live to 100 years old, Hunter. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident of that. But she's fearful of it. So I hit the treadmill in the mornings 
or on the weekends, I run with either my brother or Rocky Bernson, one of the guys there that night. Um, so steps or minutes wise, uh, I, I put in a good hour every single day. Every single day, I'm gonna be putting in an hour of activity, either lifting, depending on the day of the week, it's either a lifting or it's a, a cardio and most often it's running. And, and I do um, typical running for me, I'm not as competitive. That's one of the kind of the switches. You know, it's interesting when you're at death's door like I was, it changes you. And I've had many conversations with people who have gone through a similar journey to mine. Some are hard, some are not at all, that it really changes your outlook on life. I am not as competitive as I was. I mean, I was someone that would do ridiculous things like my friend and I hiked the Appalachian Trail and I let him, an admiral of the Navy, we were supposed to hike 36, uh, 36 miles in a single day. I didn't look at what the Appalachian Trail looked like. I thought we were kind of running on flat and I'm like, yeah, I could run 20 miles of that and it's not gonna be a big deal. And then we'll walk and jog. And then I find out it's this and it's this and it's rocky and it's single file and it's, all day long and and what he didn't judge for me unfortunately was he he um we put two cars and he put 30 miles in between the two cars well it goes across this and at 40 miles when we ran out of light and we're sprinting out of the woods hoping to find the road um i'm like yeah i'm not going another day my feet was so beat up from hiking, <laughs> it was ridiculous so i'm not that way anymore so just i run I don't run and pay attention to my time every time to beat it every time, which was my mentality before. Um, more stressful running than what I do today. I'm just, I'm running. Sometimes I'll do intervals and I'll, I'll run and walk, run and walk. Four to six miles is what I'm doing each time. So I'll probably, I'll do the 10K for our run. So now what, what is your single most favorite exercise? Just if you had to pick one, that's all you ever did again, what would it be? Lifting. Lifting, free weights yeah. or? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Basketball would have been basketball. I, I love basketball. And even though I'd probably be the last one picked in a game, um, I'm, I'm more than likely gonna be the best one on the court. And so oftentimes like when I was in college and they would match the girl up with me and I'm like, let's see how fast I can make it where they're gonna switch their best player to me. And, and that would only be a couple of minutes on the court. And they're like, oh, no, no, we're switching her off of him. Um, yeah, I'm really good at that, but I haven't played a lot since then. And I think I, I'd be used to at a certain skill level, and I don't have that today. And I think that would be frustrating. So lifting would be my thing. There you go. Uh, I, I have to share. I, I probably, as painful as they are, burpees, they're the one exercise. They just get the whole body going and the heart rate. That's your thing. Yeah, that's it. It's it's the easy for somebody who used to travel a lot, you know, not right now, but, uh, you know, in a hotel room, you can you can crush 100 burpees, you know, every morning and you have an excuse. Yeah, love it. Yeah, so, that's good. Well, John, I really appreciate you joining us today uh, and, and sharing your story and, and sharing a little bit more about Heredy and Heredy. Uh, for those of us or those of you who have joined us, you know, remember to subscribe to IDS Talks. Check it out on our website or on the podcast uh, listener that you use. Appreciate everybody's time. Thanks, John.